it's Shalacia Harris, your host of Buzzworthy. Join me as I sit down with entrepreneurs to talk about their innovative businesses and their unique stories. Remember to follow us on social at Hamilton Hive on all platforms. And don't forget to rate our podcast. Let's jump into today's story. Hey everyone, welcome back to season two of Buzzworthy. We are so excited to have our first guest, Amr, who owns his own law firm. And that's a little bit different for us when it comes to Buzzworthy, because you may not think there's a ton of innovation when it comes to law firm, but innovation really means doing something differently in a unique way and that could be so many different ways so Amr thanks for joining us on Buzzworthy to tell us your story and it's really inspiring and I was even more excited to tell your story after meeting with you during one of our screening calls um, and your backstory I think is something we can all or a lot of us can actually relate to so as we jump right into this tell us what prepared you to be an entrepreneur thank you Shalicia. Um it's an honor to to be a guest on your show yeah um you know becoming an entrepreneur wasn't an easy decision as a lawyer myself we typically do everything that is the opposite of what an entrepreneur should be and should do we're very you know risk averse and yet as an entrepreneur you have to take risks in order to move forward so to become an entrepreneur has been uh, a difficult road but at the same time it's the most freeing um and I kind of made this decision to to become an entrepreneur um, when COVID struck. Uh, having that time, there was a pause on life. I actually had left the firm that I was working at prior to um, at the end of at the end of January, honestly, right before COVID. Um, and then, you know, there was a big pause, and that gave me a moment to reflect on things and decided that. I should take the entrepreneurial route and uh, take control of my life. So while you were at the firm, you left obviously because of COVID, but during COVID itself, that's when most people actually got that time to reflect, but you took it before. What got you to that point? Yeah, so the, the sort of the journey as um, as a lawyer going from law school and to finding your way and you know becoming a practice licensed lawyer isn't the easiest I know it's it's you know easy for me to say that from from this sort of perspective but there are a lot of obstacles that I had to overcome to get to this point but it just was not working with me in the sense that the way law firms operate operate the way they're structured it just wasn't something that you know I felt natural. It wasn't my natural environment, and so obstacles kept coming, but they weren't in the way that you know you could tackle them head on with confidence and with a solution that you knew you could you know work on for the next time that the obstacle comes. So something you said to me that was really interesting and I really liked it is you said coming around to that point of leaving the law firm, mm-hmm. you felt like 
You just weren't an employable person. Yeah, that's Take right. us there. That's the word. No, I love that word as well. And um, that's it. I, I realized that I'm just not employable, right? So kind of take a step back into what it's like to become a lawyer. You have to, you know, first of all, perform well in school, perform well in your, your undergraduate degree in university, and then go on to law school. You're writing a series of tests. You're on basically like a treadmill or a conveyor belt of like you just have to go through the process and then once you get there you'll get there but then I realized that it was just like one process after the other it wasn't freeing it wasn't freeing at, at all and then you end up as an employee in a law firm and you just again you have to do what you're told you have to um, you know just have to sort of deal with it and they're told and I found that for me I just couldn't go with, you know, what we're told to do. I think it was about, you know, there's a process in place that we have to follow and this is just the way that it's done. And for me, that's always been like a point for questioning, for rebellion. And I just couldn't agree with the way that things were done. I was always asking, why does it have to be this way? And I didn't realize I wasn't employable. It was just that you know, I'll keep working at this. Eventually, I'll get to the point. But it's that's the truth. And that friction just builds up. And yeah. eventually, it lit a fire in you to mm -hmm. realize and get to that place where you wanted to be an entrepreneur and you figured out, I can ask why. I can do things in Definitely. a different way. And I definitely understand that. Because when you first said that to me, I don't think I understood why I had to personally leave the corporate world, mm -hmm. but that was it. Like just following the status quo yeah. and, you know, well, this is how it was done. And well, we don't have a reason why it's done exactly. this way. You just do it that way. Um, that really resonated with me because I like to think outside mm -hmm. of the box and obviously yourself yeah. too that brought you into this world of entrepreneurship and it's it's really interesting because we know companies today are saying we want innovative people, mm -hmm. people that think outside of the box, drive change, etc. Yeah. But from a corporate and even from a law firm, which is also a corporate yeah. standpoint, change is difficult mm -hmm. internally and mm -hmm. so when you find yourself in that frictioned place that starts to wear you down as yeah. a person yeah and so you got to that point where you're just like i don't feel like me this isn't what i thought it would be i need to do things differently mm -hmm. for the career and the life i want and what were your next steps and how did you figure that out during your downtime yeah so with everything that just happened i actually had left um, the firm that i was working at previously because i was actually just getting physically sick from working there from all the pressures and you know going to exactly about what you just said that you know you have that friction but sometimes that friction you you try to deal with it you try to come up with different ways to kind of just say hey you know you're supposed to take this i'm gonna get something out of this and i'm gonna get stronger from this but sometimes that friction 
is just the universe telling you that no this isn't the way you should be going and so when i finally took that opportunity to just actually leave covid coming around gave me that pause to to reflect and then i got into some self-development started reading a lot of books about figuring out you know maybe the root the root problem is is with me and not doing something that i enjoy or you know something that i feel is in alignment with what i want to do and contribute to the world so covid kind of gave me that background because covid was a time where we honestly didn't know what was going to happen the next day um for me personally there was a lot of add-ons to that i was supposed to get married that summer um and my fiance right before covid sort of struck she flew with her family to uh, to india to do some wedding shopping and because of everything that just happened there she didn't end up coming back for for quite a few months and there was a point in my life where when you take covid when you take you know my previous situation uh working situation at the law firm and then this narrative with i didn't even know if i'd be able to see my fiance again with everything going on i really had this sort of a thunder you know lightning moment in my life was where it was like you just have to take control and you got to act now and the the role the position that embodies somebody taking control of their life is an entrepreneur and that's what really got me started to take control and use my skills as a lawyer to merge the two as an entrepreneurial lawyer that's amazing and i think it's important for people to hear these stories and these journeys because a lot of times you might have felt this way yourself completely alone oh, yeah. no one else probably experienced this in the way that i did um and that's why i love telling these stories yeah. with entrepreneurs like yourself because that struggle is real yeah. it can be very isolating um you kind of hit rock bottom to some degree mm -hmm. and you had to pick everything else up like your career your personal life yeah um just being lost in yourself because you started those personal development exactly and that. that's great on you to try to you know look in the mirror and say is there something that's missing within me yeah but in that you also realize you are the answer to yeah. all of the challenges you are having yeah. and you took that and started to build out a law firm mm -hmm. so when you made that decision what came next because there are law firms everywhere yeah how do you decide yeah. you were going to serve entrepreneurs yeah no that's that's very true you know one of the sort of struggles that i have is you know do i want to bring something that's already there you know and then what makes me sort of stand out so in terms of planning i wanted to do something very different it was kind of like look if i'm going to take control and start my own firm you're already at ground zero you know you don't have a job and right now you don't have a fiance um and you don't really know what tomorrow's going to bring so why not just go deep and go right back to your roots and and try to see if you can bring something that is completely different 
so for me with all the self-development it was performing certain exercises like i would you know i started meditating i started doing all these different activities taking care of my health which gave me sort of clarity and funny enough it allowed me to reflect on my past a lot and there was a common theme with all of that and it's funny but for me it was video games video games was a thing that's always been there in my past where no matter what I always felt that connection where this is something that if I'm like if I have nothing and this is something that I could like you know bring forward and rely on and and even if you know I don't succeed in my business but I enjoy doing it's gonna be with video games and so I took one of the strongest foundations I could from my past and try to build or plan out my law firm from that and you know that's to be a video game law firm yeah so one thing you said to me um, last week mm-hmm. was you know the video game industry is one of the largest entertainment industry yeah larger than music larger than film yeah. when your family and friends found out that this is what you were going to focus on. What was their reaction? Yeah. No, it's it's the same as, you know, growing up with a lot of a lot of family and friends. One, they were, some were conflicted because, you know, they're like, why are you starting from scratch as an entrepreneur, you know, when you had a, a cushy job as a lawyer in a law firm? And then two, it's, you know, and you're choosing video games? Like, you know, stop playing games. There's that stigma, right? Even growing up, like I said, with that reflection, I look back and the video games were there. Um, And it's funny because as I went forward, there was a point in my time when I actually wanted to be a video game developer and design video games. But then I decided as the same as what, you know, my family and friends would tell me as I made this decision to become, you know, to open my video game law firm is, you know, stop playing games. You got to study. You got to get a real job. And, you know, for me, I decided that is to be a lawyer. So to kind of go back and bring in video games, it's kind of like, well, you know, again, stop playing games. But I can say I'm, I'm a lawyer and, you know, I'm actually just unifying my passions. And, and a big part of that is, you know, trying to legitimize the video mm-hmm. game industry so it's not seen as a stigma for people who enjoy it and so that people can see that they actually can make a career in this industry that like you said is you know it's it's one of the biggest entertainment industries in the world it's already past hollywood so wow. why not make it legitimate it's true and for someone like myself that's outside the video game industry i would never know you know i attach playing video games to you know my brother's loving games like halo and i think Mm -hmm. the last video game i played was mario kart (laughs) or something like that way back in the day but good times you just don't think about how those childhood joys can come into your Mm -hmm. adult life and to be an entrepreneur that is a passion of yours and that's part of being an entrepreneur but being a successful entrepreneur is really about solving an important problem yeah and 
how did you identify that there was a problem within this video game industry that lawyers just haven't been addressing or the industry has a big gap that needed to be addressed? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. You know, there are tons of lawyers that go out and call themselves entertainment lawyers and you know they they cater themselves to the music industry or they'll cater themselves to the film industry Um, but there aren't that many of us who will say you know I'm a lawyer in the video game industry there are some but you know it's not common and so what ends up happening is that all the stakeholders in this industry whether they're, they're developers they're publishers pro gamers streamers anybody you know they're still going this industry is still growing in its own way but they're going to to periphery businesses and services such as lawyers such as accountants that don't necessarily have that insider expertise of the video game industry to take that industry to the next level they're going to you know uh, maybe a corporate lawyer that is used to another type of law that is similar you know or intellectual property but doesn't have that sort of a special sauce to understand the video game industry and that's something that i thought was needed and i can only see that as a way to help not only the video game industry but help create you know a periphery of businesses as well that if we all sort of help each other and we're all connected we can only help the video game industry thrive and it's just a better place for everybody in the end that's fantastic because i think you're right ahead of the curve when it comes to video game industry because vr is such an important part of our Mm -hmm. future and more and more we're hearing about how vr is gonna play into the very near future for us yeah i mean facebook changed our name to meta (laughs) yeah um if it weren't obvious before like it's definitely obvious now yeah so how do you think it plays into how the world is going to evolve um, from taking the video games with really owned the VR space, yeah. but now that being transported into other facets of our lives. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's a good point because, you know, we typically associate video games with you have a, you know, an N64 back in the day and you plug it in and you play the game. But you know, video games and at least that immersive content is, you know, kind of found in all different sorts of places with your mobile phones, through your computer with web-based gaming. And it's kind of blurring the line between what we associate, what we typically associate games with in the past and what it is now. And it's very much one in one with, you know, the metaverse, um, with blockchain, with web 3.0 that's coming around but also, you know, virtual reality. And like you said, with with Meta, you know, kind of going all in with purchasing Oculus and now, you know, trying to bring forward VR as, you know, something that's accessible for, for the masses. This is creating a very interesting space where, as we meant, as we kind of talked about last time, it's almost like a wild, wild west, right? So 
right now the way that you know law typically applies and the way lawyers um, practice law is they usually react to something and then they pass a law or you know they'll help their clients solve a problem in a reactive way but the way that the video game industry operates and especially with VR is that you're going into a wild west where you know we don't really know what wrongdoing has happened until it's happened and there's been something to sort of deal with it in the end and so it requires sort of proactive lawmaking and i think that's a space for um for vr and for video games where lawyers can be a huge um, piece of the puzzle and another thing is you know if you really think about the way that say video game graphics have gotten more and more realistic over the time and you imagine vr right sometimes it's hard to connect at least for your brain the difference between what's real life and what you're experiencing in vr and so because of that without kind of getting into too much right now is you can have almost every legal issue that happens in the real life it can happen in the virtual world and there'd be so many different other ways um, that you know new laws can be made or you know legal issues that can come out as a result of this immersive experience immersive world of vr and the metaverse yeah and that's something i never really thought about is how does law transcend the real world because like you said, these lines eventually are going to blur what's mm-hmm. real, what's virtual, how do we look at things from our legal systems, and yeah. are they even set up in a way to address these challenges? Yeah. So for Amr VR Law, how do you plan to work with industry experts to help them mitigate these potential future risks Mm -hmm. that they take on as a lawyer. Yeah. So uh, Amr VR Law, we are a forward-thinking law firm. And what we currently do for the most part is that we do help um, our clients in the video game industry deal with issues as they come up. But where we excel and where we want to help in the future is we like to think about the future where it's going and we like to help our clients stay ahead of that curve so you know in a sense it's us understanding the law what our clients are doing what direction they're going in and instead of them having to say retroactively deal with issues it's how can we keep them stay ahead of their competition by navigating issues that might come. So having an understanding of where the law is going, where things are coming from, and just staying ahead of the curve, being innovative, navigating them around the obstacles before they become obstacles. And how do you plan addressing this from the creator's standpoint? Because Mm -hmm. they're the ones that will probably get most of the blowback when anything does happen yeah you know 
like you said, law is quite reactive. Yeah. Something has to happen before you see that there is a precedent in order for you to change the law. Yeah. How do you plan addressing that with your clients and even with the legal system? Is that something you plan going into in order to help maintain that innovative space that you want to be in? Yeah, no, totally. Because, you know, there is that sort of a conflict of, you know, laws are there to help regulate, but also laws have a big part in terms of, you know, is the market able to grow? Are people able to, to stay innovative and, and, you know, try things without worrying about how the law is going to react to them? So having a good understanding of, you know, what the people in that industry are doing. So like you said, what creators are doing and also under having a good understanding of the law you can help creators stay ahead of potential issues that they could face when they're creating something before before it ever happens so that they can keep that in mind create new experiences new content and not have to worry too much about facing the consequences of you know legal issues that might come from it Mm-hmm. With all of this um, like change, we've talked a little bit about the future, but in today's world, who are the customers that you're serving? What are their problems and how can you help them today by having this specialty as a video game industry lawyer? Yeah, so we want to help out all the stakeholders that are a part of, about, a part of making the video game industry what it is. So this is, you know, uh, people in the video game and publishing industry, the ones who create the games. So developers, publishers, uh, freelance artists, and music composers that, you know, these are all very important pieces that go into a game. Um, but we also cater to the esports industry. You know, this is, these are the, the pro gamers that, you know, were probably told when they were young that you can't make a career out of playing video games. And yet here they are pushing the status quo and creating an industry that is underserved. And esports is a prime, prime area for legal support and legal representation because a lot of the esports players, you know, they're taken advantage of because there's a lot of money on the line. And because of this sort of new area that's involved here, they don't have as much knowledge in terms of, you know, the way contracts should be structured, um, you know, any advice on, you know, what could happen in the next four or five years if this is actually their career. So we also cater to the esports industry with players, with teams, the leagues, organizations, all the parties, making sure that, you know, this is an industry that grows in the right way. You know, we don't want to have legal issues get in the way of, of their growth and of their future potential growth. And the third type of uh, clientele that, you know, we typically try to help are video game streamers, content creators, and reviewers. So people who are, you know, on the social media platforms, whether it's YouTube, Twitch, streaming content. Um, you know, posting reviews on video games. There's a lot of compliance issues that go along with that. There's a lot of things where, you know, they are live at m- on most cases. And, you know, when things happen, when you're live, you can sometimes face issues retrospectively. Um, 
So how can we, we think about at least on Revere Our Laws, how can we keep them ahead of the curb? How can we keep them compliant? And so, yeah, those are the sort of three main areas that we can provide services to. How knowledgeable are your target audience about the law and the impact it has on them? Um, you know, it varies. But the thing is that given the type of world that we're in now, you're seeing so many new people come into this industry, want to create careers in this industry. So to answer your question, most of them aren't very knowledgeable at all. And to be honest, the last thing that most of them are thinking about is the law. They want to be focusing on the content that they're creating, right? They want to get their videos out on YouTube, <clears throat> do their regular streaming on Twitch, Developers and publishers want to get their game out there for people to enjoy, you know, to have that immersive experience. They're so invested and focused into what they want to do that they're not really thinking about the law. And so it's also an interesting space because we have laws established, but they're in a space where laws are being created. And so they have to adapt so in kind of two parts, they're not very knowledgeable with the law, but at the same time, it's very difficult because the law is always evolving in their space. And so what we try to do is to give them that guidance make so that they can just focus on what they do best, creating content, creating new worlds for people to explore. And, you know, we can say this as well. They're entrepreneurs, they're innovators as well and we want to help them continue to innovate. At what point should someone in this space, let's say for example, someone that just became a streamer mm -hmm. and they're growing rapidly, their audience is growing, at what point is it valuable to them to find an expert like yourself in the field? Yeah, it's always good to have some sort of a knowledge before you start create a great foundation but it's understandable that you know many start off as a hobby as a passion project and it's not really until you know their viewers start to to grow in numbers that they can decide about making it a serious business so i think it's around that point when you know content creators are getting to the point where they're seeing that they are able to monetize that they're creating merch they're really focused on creating a brand uh, you know around themselves around what they stream because you can go in so many different ways and having a lawyer help you in terms of guiding you with the laws there but also giving you that business advice on how to grow and understand how all these things have you know different legal implications for example nowadays many streamers you know they offer merchandise to their to their viewers and there's a lot of intellectual property laws, there's a lot of business laws that are involved with that. So when they get to about that point, it's a good time for them to get in touch with the, with the lawyer. So a lot of things you talked about can very easily, let's say, be compared to the music industry. 
Um, and a lot of these streamers eventually get managers mm-hmm. and, you know, people that help manage their careers, grow it for them. What differences are you seeing or what comparisons can it make to the music industry, for example? Mm-hmm. And how does it truly vary and is it different? Yeah. In terms of the structure, you know, it's it's a very straightforward comparison in the sense that you know the music industry the film industry they're seen as you know legitimate industries you know in our society where as with video games that hasn't always been the case but the reality is you know it is a business and people are creating careers in there and you know they are modeled after say the music industry so with streamers, you know, or even esports players, for example, if you let's compare them to to athletes, you know, through sports athletes um, on their own, they're only so knowledgeable about, you know, things about running a business, about the laws, their focus as the talent is to, you know, play games professionally. And so what ends up happening is they have, you know, agents, they do have managers, they have coaches to take care of all those other items. Similarly, as it is in sports. And the same thing is with uh, streamers and the music industry is that you have similar sort of positions that are created and modeled after the existing industry. But, you know, it's an industry that is growing. And here's sort of an example of, you know, what really differentiates it. The video game industry and what goes on goes into a video game is very complex. You know, it's a game that has so many layers, separate layers. It has the storytelling of films. It has the music and compositions that you find in the music industry. You have art, you know, creations, drawing the drawing and mapping out the world by artists, by cartographers even. You have all these pieces to make it such an immersive experience. And so although there are, you know, industries to model, the video game industry is, is its own thing. And it's going to be blazing the trail in the way that it creates new business, new roles to accommodate this industry as it grows. And that's where you come in as being part of that innovation of new rules, mm-hmm. setting industry standards. And that's where you aim to be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And as an entrepreneur, we'll switch it back to mm-hmm. you for a second. Yeah. Um, how is it that you went from playing games to looking at the industry in such a different way because it's a different angle of your passion like Mm -hmm. i could love playing tennis and volleyball but i don't think i would ever want to manage athletes yeah it's the video game industry you know it's something that is dear to my heart that goes back to my childhood and you know as i mentioned earlier there was a time where i wanted to be involved in the industry by making games and so there's always been this appreciation and understanding at a you know at a deep level of the needs the wants the ambitions of those in this industry and you know i have a lot of respect for them they're trendsetters in their own ways they're going against the status quo and and really pursuing their career. And as a lawyer, you know, one of the things that I I always thought about and I wanted to do as a lawyer is to empower others, to help guide them so that they can, you know, pursue what they want to pursue. 
I think it goes to that um, that kind of chord and combining it as an entrepreneur and understanding the entrepreneurial spirit of the industry as well, that it just goes in hand to hand, it works so well. And so in a way, you know, as a lawyer, we want to help those in the, in the industry succeed. We want that we want to sort of help them overcome the obstacles as they come, break the barriers. Because that's something we can do as lawyers. And for me, it, it's just so fitting that it is with this industry, with the video game industry. Yeah. And I think naturally, um, serving an innovative space forces you to be innovative mm-hmm. in your own way. And that's why I was really excited to have this conversation with you because the world is changing so yes. rapidly yeah. at this point. And you've identified a clear problem in an industry that's in its infancy for the most part Mm -hmm. because it's taken a different shift as you said it's integrating all these iconic things we can refer to because back in the day Mario Kart was its own thing Mm -hmm. you know it's in isolation of everything else but now you look at certain games i mean i don't know games very well but i'll use halo because i'm familiar with <laughs> that one game. it's a good game um so you'll take halo for example and you might have music from jay-z on it mm-hmm. or travis scott and art by xyz yeah. maybe fashion labels are in it Definitely. so that major change i think does create this unique space and creates unique problems yeah that we've never really identified and that absolutely makes um, for innovation within the legal framework. Yeah, definitely. You know, you you picked like a great place to sort of start with Halo, right? Where it was a game that came out on one console. You know, you kind of go, you know, you experience Halo. It was a time where, you know, games weren't updated with like changing content the way that they are today. And if you kind of compare that to say Fortnite, and you know, which has been all the rage for the past couple of years now, a few years, um, you know, there was a Travis Scott concert that people could attend on that game. You know, it's a game where you know you can change the way that your character looks by achieving unlockments or you know unlocking achievements, getting, um, and you know even having to pay because that's the that's the way that the industry is these days. And your player can look like Spider-Man or it can look like Goku from Dragon Ball Z. And, you know, the question is you can't just you can't just like have this automatically in a game, right? There's a lot that goes on behind it. There's a licensing that goes with all the other IP that is connected to bring into this video game. And it just shows as an example of how this is an industry that connects to all different other parts of, you know, what we can call the entertainment industry but beyond that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and your solutions will obviously evolve and right now what you're doing is really catering to the specific needs Mm -hmm. and challenges of you know the streamers the developers um esports yeah um i've heard some really horror stories of you know some of those athletes within the industry and how they're treated um not that i know the details but just being a bystander and hearing about it Mm -hmm. it screams the need for legal support because at the end of the day these are still people and i think industries eventually turn things into commodities and people become commodities Mm -hmm. which is what it is at the end of the day but we can't forget they're human they have rights they should be treated in the right way and i think that's really awesome you're able to identify this very unique and very specific um way that you're going to you know address and work Mm -hmm. with with those in the industry from an aspirational um standpoint where is Amor VR Log away? Yeah. So, you know, obviously I have a, a dream that I thought of earlier when I wanted to create this firm where I want to take it. And the goal is, you know, to build a full-fledged law firm full service. That's still catered to the video game industry. But the thing is, it's going to evolve and adapt with the way that at least I envision the industry going. And... You know, so it's going to have a family law department. It's going to have a criminal law department. It's going to have an insurance department. And you're probably wondering, like, what do these different departments have to do with video games? But that's just where I think the video game industry is going to go. And so, you know, I'll take you through a little sort of um, picture this moment. So Close your eyes, everyone. Everybody close your eyes. Imagine this. So we're getting to a point where graphics are becoming more and more realistic and we're using technology like VR headsets. So think, you know, like an episode of Black Mirror where it's really hard to differentiate between what is real, what is reality, and what is virtual reality. And you're in this experience, this virtual experience, playing a game. Now, let's say, you know, you're walking along, you're on a journey, and all of a sudden you're robbed and someone steals your your in-game assets you're still been robbed you know you've lost your assets there are different ways in which we deal with that today but where i see the law going is we are going to have you know video game criminal lawyers deal with issues like that you know um there have already been instances in in virtual reality, in other um, games like uh, Second Life, where you know people interact with each other using avatars, where some people have complained that they felt you know that they were sexually assaulted, um, and you know these are real life issues which sometimes you can your brain experiences as if it's happening to its body, and there will be a need for lawyers to help overcome these issues and to kind of change it to you know maybe a more 
comedic sort of example is you know what if um maybe it's not so funny but what if your spouse you know is cheating on you in a video game but you're there too and you're both you know it's uh think of another um black mirror episode i won't name the episode but it was in the last season where two friends were technically cheating on each other in a video game you know what are the real world implications of this you know are you going to hire a family law lawyer who doesn't understand video games and how you know this is a serious issue for them you know they might not take it seriously but at least what we want to do is have somebody who understands that you know video games what happens in the video game world are real world problems and so that is the goal is to have a full-fledged law firm that is catered to this industry you know has helped seeing it grow helped overcome you know its growing pains that it's going to overcome like you mentioned with the way that you know esports players are treated right it's an industry that's growing and so people are being taken advantage of lawyers are key to making sure that this industry grows in a way where people are protected and they're also able to you know make full careers in this that they can enjoy and be proud of and those are really important things that I think I've never thought about when it comes to the blending of video games, mm-hmm. VR, and the real world. And how do you navigate that in terms of the growth of your firm? How will you make that decision to decide, okay, I kind of cater to, you know, these group of problems when am i going to branch out into maybe criminal law Mm -hmm. within the video game world what do you think that next step looks like for you in the growth of your business yeah it's gonna have to be a combination of organic growth based off what we see is is going to be the need um because for some of these these things that we've mentioned you know there might not necessarily be that much of a need for it right now but at the same time, we want to be innovators and we want to be there as you know, a possible solution for these problems when they happen. So it's going to be a combination of organic growth, um, but planning out as well. Mm-hmm. You know, part of that plan is kind of already there is just kind of foresee every single problem that could happen. You know, this is the realm, I think, of the Wild West when it comes to the law. So as a, as a lawyer and as a law firm, we have to think ahead. We have to be there to fulfill the needs. And, you know, that means we always have to be innovative. We have to keep the entrepreneurial spirit intact as we go forward and grow. Um, because I think that's what that's what we embody and in, in how we can make sure that we're always there to serve and fulfill the needs. Because if it was just organic, then we'd just be, you know, retrospectively reacting to things as they come and i don't think that embodies what we are we want to be there as trailblazers as pioneers as a challenger and i think that takes you back to kind of where you were that you weren't able to be that trailblazer Mm -hmm. within your career and ask why and find unique answers Mm -hmm. to that why and i love that this comes full circle because it also takes me into that thought that we didn't really touch on Mm -hmm. is 
you quit your job from your law firm and then you went into being an entrepreneur and what the audience doesn't know about you that I know is mm-hmm. you were about two years into your career as a lawyer yes. at this point yeah what gave you the confidence to know that I have the ability to mm-hmm. you know support this industry to be innovative in it and how do you continue to ensure that you have the expertise yeah. to navigate something that's brand new and evolving every day yeah so a part of that that I had to realize very quickly in being an entrepreneur is that I have to be accountable for myself and one of the the main issues that I experienced um, you know, going through the process to become a lawyer and then my early years as a lawyer was that I didn't get a lot of mentoring. I didn't get a lot of guidance. I wasn't really taught how to practice law. It was just, you know, you have this work to do, go and do it. This is what you're hired for. And, you know, for me, it felt like I didn't actually know what I was doing a lot of the time. So when I had my own firm and when I started it, you know, I figured, again, taking control if nobody was going to be teaching me anyways, I might as well just teach myself as I've been doing it. But at least this time I do it on my own terms and I do it with a type of clientele that I really believe in. No offense to the other, you know, clientele I worked with in the past, but you know, this is where my connection is. It's, it's with entrepreneurs and it's with innovators and it's a personal sort of connection because I'm accountable for what I do. You know, I'm, I don't get paid unless, you know, my clients pay me. And that's the same thing for entrepreneurs, right? They don't make money and they have to forgo a lot of things while building their business. So I understand that and I respect that. And that's what gives me that extra motivation and care when I do work with my clients and advise them that I don't do them a disservice, that I'm giving them my best service, that I'm going to do all the research that I need to do. Um, so that things are done the right way for them because I feel it. I know, you know, this is what I would need and I want. And fortunately, you know, being on my own, um, I've learned different ways to be resourceful. So I have a great network of mentors and, you know, the legal community is actually really great for this. They're, they're amazing at being mentors. So whenever I have help, I need help with any issue, um, you know, I, I seek my mentors for help and for advice because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we are providing the best service and advice to to our clients, to our fellow entrepreneurs. I think that's something that's so important for every entrepreneur because naturally being an entrepreneur means in a huge way, unless you have a co-founder, but mm-hmm. both of us are solo founders, yeah. um, that is quite isolating and lonely and sometimes you can get wrapped up in your own thoughts and that's where mentors become Mm -hmm. so important i remember that was the one thing i had top of mind every day for about six months and everyone i met is just like i'm looking for a mentor for xyz who do you know how can you connect me with them and i ended up you know where 
we both met each other yes. at the forge yeah. um i asked someone and they're like well i have someone that just came in and was looking for mentees in this space i'll yeah. connect you to yeah. and it just happened that we met each other i think the day before the world shut down and he's been my mentor oh, ever wow. since then and he's been through the roller coaster with me still yeah. here but i completely understand why mentors play such an important part in an entrepreneur's life yeah. especially when you take the risk to enter a new industry mm -hmm. which i did mm -hmm. um and with yourself to enter an industry where you know your experience sort of validates you but now yeah. you're fighting for validation you're fighting for your clients in a new industry yeah. you're navigating things that just didn't exist before yeah. and how do you take all of that as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and make yourself successful without burning out but also doing the right things for you and your clients yeah no you're right with the fact that it can be very lonely and isolating at times um but it's good to have mentors and you know i read so many self-development books that are always saying if you want to succeed you have to have a good mentor so i reached out to many and i have quite a few good ones but one thing that i try to do to kind of help with that balance and you know part of that cycle is that you know give myself some credit as well that i can be a mentor to others as well so you know along with having my own mentors i am a mentor to my mentees and um, that's how you and I actually met through the Forge at McMaster, where I'm a mentor and, you know, sort of the legal uh, advisor at the Forge, where we work with so many amazing startups. Um, and, you know, it's it, it continues a cycle. Nobody has that perfect sort of set of knowledge, but we have our own experiences, right, at different stages of our careers and our path. So... You know, by not only seeking advice from, from mentors, giving it is a good way to keep that balance. Um, you know, it helps me recognize where I am in the position of my life. Uh, not taking myself too seriously, but, you know, knowing that you have to give back to, to, to get as well. And that kind of brings me to, you know, another um, aspect of my life. Uh, where I provide sort of similar mentor services is, um, you know, I've, I've, like I mentioned before, when I left the firm, I, as a, as a young lawyer, experienced a lot of issues, you know, um, that many young lawyers and, you know, even experienced lawyers experience. And I hear these horror stories on a, on a too often basis. Um, but, you know, I work with the Law Society where I speak with new lawyers and law students to help them overcome issues that they're experiencing in the legal industry and also provide them as a, you know, an example that you don't have to follow the traditional path of working in a law firm and then making your way to partner and then finally have that feeling that you've made it. That as lawyers, you can actually, you know, take the world by, you know, with your own hands and forge the type of path that you want to be um, living and also setting for people to come so 
it kind of goes full circle in that way that you know you that there's just so much to to kind of get and give as an entrepreneur and as a lawyer entrepreneur mm-hmm. um there needs to be more of us for sure yeah i i think so because there's so much change and i don't think anyone really realized how much change was happening mm-hmm. and we hate to belabor the topic of COVID, yeah. but it really was a catalyst of pausing, reflecting, and knowing where you're going next. And mm-hmm. just taking a pause typically means you're ready to change something that it's not working. And that I think is true across the board in every industry and for people just in their personal lives as well so was there a point since you've started as an entrepreneur that you've wanted to quit that you're just like (laughs) i don't want to do this anymore it's too hard um something just went really wrong yeah tell us about that moment oh man moments more like (laughs) no it's honestly that's the thing right with as an entrepreneur some days are so amazing you're like this is the reason of life and then some days you're like oh i just want to go you know hide in my closet or you know i want to go back to being a lawyer in a firm i I just can't deal with this um oh it it happens quite regularly of course it happened a lot more when i was first starting out because you've you know i decided to take this risk and i was venturing into an area where i didn't know you know i was continuing to not know what tomorrow was like and it's still like that for the most part, but you know, I've I've had to you know really pause, think, and be grateful. I think for for where I am in with my law firm right now. But at the same time, you know, I think the biggest struggle for for me personally is balancing the balancing act between being a lawyer and an entrepreneur, and then ultimately having to decide which one I would rather be. Because it's the wanting to be a lawyer side that, you know, is kind of like, why don't I just go work with another firm, uh, you know, or with another lawyer? Because then I can just focus on doing the legal work and being a lawyer and have that security, have that steady income and not have to worry about all these other tasks that I have to do. You know, being my own marketing manager, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But. It's funny, I had a call with a fellow uh, entrepreneurial lawyer who just randomly listened to a podcast and picked up the phone because he was a guest on it. And that person ended up giving me so much advice. And what he said is that, you know, listen to yourself. When you were on the other side, you said that, you know, it was so much better to be an entrepreneur, to have your own firm because you can take control of your life. And now that you're in this position, the grass is always greener and you're fantasizing of going back to the other side. And that's kind of stuck with me to the point where I feel now I've, I'm very firm in my decision that I want to be an entrepreneur more so than a lawyer. And I like being a lawyer, but you know, I, I really believe in the mission of the law firm that I've started and I want to grow that law firm. And build out the vision that I have for it. So with that in mind, that is what I think about every single day and helps me overcome those moments where I think I wish I could just go back. 
it helps me deal with that and it's it's getting less and less but i'm not kidding myself one day i'm gonna wake <laughs> up and say why can't i just be a lawyer again that's just the reality yeah but that's that's that keeps it interested you yeah. know um i'm with you i definitely have those moments less often than i did when i started um it's been just about a year for me and wow, yeah. it's it's exciting, you know, every day is a little different, but if you have that mission and you're on that mission, um, that keeps you going. You just have to feel like life's a little bit of a roller coaster. You'll have yeah. high, you'll have lows, um, and the more experience you get in it, those highs and lows become a little more stable a little less steep actually yeah. um versus you know really great days and terrible days <laughs> yeah. it evens out and i think at some point you get to that point where you're actually able to coast a little bit mm -hmm. but i think innately entrepreneurs will never coast because there's that thrill that they still love and yeah. I think we all have it in us. Yeah. And as you grow this law firm, you'll be like, what new industry do yeah. we get into oh. now? And <laughs> I think that's what makes entrepreneurship so, so different. But I've lost my words. So great. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that's, that's really all you have to say, right? Yeah. It's being that challenger and always you know, looking for that next challenge. Someone told me that maybe that this was, you know, that I suffer from shiny object syndrome, that I'm always chasing the next shiny object and I can't focus on actually growing the thing. But I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, you'll get to the point where and I'm starting to kind of realize is that it's not so much that it's a new shiny object, it's looking for that next challenge but if you can find a way to kind of bring that challenge into your business, that's how we measure our growth, right? That's how we keep growing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, that's just a part of being an entrepreneur. It's being, you know, up for the challenge. Yeah. What advice do you have for a new lawyer that's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur or anyone that's thinking of becoming an entrepreneur what encouragement would you have for them to take that step i think um for new lawyers and be better for me to speak on this it's you know go forward with what you believe in not with what you've been told to do i think that's a problem that a lot of lawyers um, you know face and we kind of just deal with it until we get to a breaking point and then you know hopefully they, they make the decision that's better for them but it's not generally accepted to be an entrepreneurial lawyer but it is a valid option it is a valid path for them and I think lawyers would thrive in this position as an entrepreneur so just because law school doesn't tell you about it or you know maybe any of your mentors are kind of directing you in the path of going and working with the law firm and then working your way up for years, billing hours, and then becoming partner. There's another path, and that is to be an entrepreneurial lawyer where you can really enjoy the type of law that you practice, but also build a business out of it. And that's your business. 
you can make whatever you want out of it. Take me, for example. I'm a video game lawyer, and a lot of people, you know, they wonder what is a video game lawyer. Well, you know, it's something that I believe in, and that's, you know, my why, and that's the reason why I, I actually enjoy being a lawyer is because I can combine, you know, m- my profession with something that I really, really enjoy and tie together and, you know, make the industry that I really enjoy even better. So that is an option despite what anybody tells you. And if that's something that you want to do, you know, I know it can be very difficult to give up the cushy job, the security, but if that's what you really believe in, you only have the one life go and pursue it. Love it. Love it. Cut the golden handcuffs, guys. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. amazing well thanks so much for sitting and chatting with me today it's been amazing um it has been amazing and i've learned so much more about you and i can't wait to learn more and i can't wait for everyone to hear your story because i think it's something i can really level with in terms of your transition from the corporate world mm-hmm. and to be an entrepreneur. And I think ever since COVID happened, we saw a lot of that happening. Yeah. So there's so many more people that can relate to that. And it'll make our lives a little less lonely as entrepreneurs, yeah. knowing that we have a shared story. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Entrepreneurs are what make this world go around. Amazing. It's true. Well, thanks so much for being here, Amber. Can't wait for this to come out. And stay tuned, everyone. A huge thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in every week to hear about our buzzworthy businesses. Don't forget to rate us on whatever platform you're listening and following us at at Hamilton Hive on all of the social media platforms. But most importantly, we want to thank our team of dedicated volunteers who make this podcast possible on a weekly basis. So here we go. Cesar Cardenia, Khalid Imam, James Clark, Trisha Ford, Ratri Toon, Hirsch Kumar Patel, Fernando Rodriguez, Yvette R, and yours truly, Shalacia Harris. Don't forget to tune in next Monday for a new episode of Buzzworthy.